0: If you have your Bibles this morning, find the book of Leviticus, chapter 14, the book of Leviticus, and chapter 14, Leviticus comes right after Exodus, unless you're very familiar with the book of Leviticus, which I doubt if you are. But Leviticus chapter 14, and let's read verses 6 to 8. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, or the scarlet yarn and hyssop bush, and dip them in the live bird and the blood of the bird that was killed over fresh water. And sprinkle it seven times, verse 7, on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. And then he shall pronounce him clean and let the living bird go into the open field. Don't know how long it's been since you've had a sermon out of Leviticus. But don't hit the snooze button just yet. Some of these things in the Old Testament are difficult to us, but uh, they can actually be tremendous um, blessings when we look for the primary subject of the Old Testament, and that is the gospel, especially Christ and His death and resurrection. There was a group of depressed disciples leaving Jerusalem after... The crucifixion. And uh, they hadn't heard about the resurrection, and so they're walking out of Jerusalem, and Jesus comes up alongside them and, and asks them why they're so depressed. And they said, Well, we thought he, Jesus, had been the one who would redeem us, but Jesus opened the scriptures to them. Luke 24 27 says this, and beginning with Moses and all of the prophets. He interpreted to them in all of the Scripture the things concerning Himself. Now that Scripture was Old Testament Scripture. New Testament hadn't been written at that time. So He interpreted, Jesus interpreted from Moses all the way through the prophets, in all of the Scriptures, the things concerning Himself. And then he concluded by saying, thus it is written, the Messiah should suffer and on the third day be raised from the dead. So that's the topic of the Old Testament. In all the scriptures, that Christ who would come would die on a cross and that he would be raised from the dead. Another New Testament reference that gives you some understanding of how to read the Old Testament is Hebrews 10.1. He says the law, that is the Old Testament, is a shadow or gives us silhouettes of the wonderful things that was to come. Pictures. Just as a lot of times we begin a child's learning with pictures, so the Old Testament gives us pictures. But what is the primary theme? It would be Christ in his death and in his resurrection. So put on gospel glasses when you read these Old Testament texts. And I want to give you an illustration of this today Uh, in the healing or in the cleansing, more accurately, the cleansing of the leper. Let me begin by saying what what the leper was in the Old Testament. If you found yourself to be broken out with some horrible-looking sores that started small and spread throughout your body, you might be afflicted with what the Old Testament calls leprosy. Today it might be called Hansen's disease, but not sure if it's the same thing. But in the Old Testament, to be afflicted with leprosy was considered to be a judgment from God, uh, an affliction brought specifically because of your sin. Uh, You were under a blow. In fact, the word leprosy means to be smitten, to be smacked. And you have an example of this in Numbers chapter 12 when Moses' sister, whose name was Miriam, came to Moses with a really bad attitude and said, who's to say God's only speaking through you? And Moses was meek and he didn't respond, and, but God did. And God came down in a, this big cloud and settled over Moses and Miriam. And then it lifted, and when the cloud lifted, Moses looked at Miriam and behold, she was smitten with leprosy. All these sores had broken out all over her body. And then Moses prayed for her, said, please God, lift the judgment, and God did. So to be hit with leprosy was a judgment. If you had leprosy, you were considered to be under the judgment of God. It's different from being sick. Uh, This is why you often get the idea of being cleansed from leprosy not just healed but cleansed verse 7 sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprosy Jesus in Matthew 10 verse 7 and 8 sent the disciples out and said go and preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand and you're to heal the sick but cleanse the leper See, if you're sick, you need healing. But if you're a leper, it's different. You need cleansing. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is the idea behind the leper, is that you were under judgment and you needed to be forgiven and cleansed from your sin. This is another thing about the leper, is they were placed, look at, Uh, Leviticus 14, verse 3, they were outside the camp. A leper was not permitted to come inside where the people of God dwelt and worshipped. So he says to the priest to cleanse the leper, verse 3, he shall go outside the camp and look at him. So the leper was exiled This is another aspect of what it means to be a leper in the Old Testament. You were considered to be under judgment. You were considered to be exiled from God and worship and cut off from God's people. And you even had to wear this cloth over your face or over your lips uh, that would keep you from infecting others. And if somebody happened to accidentally come near, you were to cry out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. You see that in uh, chapter 13 and verse... 45, the leprous person has a disease, shall wear the torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang down and cover his upper lip and cry out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. He had to cover his whole mouth. So to be a leper was to be viewed as smitten of God, judged, exiled, away into a... uh, Remember the prodigal? He was in the far country, away from his father. Or Adam, put outside the garden, exiled. Or Israel, exiled to Babylon. It's always a judgment to be put outside the camp. So, I think, uh, just a side note too, this is one of the reasons, verse 3, that the priest had to go outside the camp to see him and pronounce him clean and sprinkle him with the blood. And I think this gives us a lesson on the fact that people who do not know God, they do not come to church. We must go out there and invite them to church to hear the gospel. They are exiled, so we must go to them. So the priest goes to this leper. But now the core of what I want to share with you today is in the method of cleansing Look uh, again at verse 4. The priest will command to take, for him who is to be cleansed, two live birds, and then you have a stick made of cedar, scarlet yarn, and hyssop. Uh, Now, my guess is, all that is is a little stick, and the hyssop bush acted as a sponge, and you would wrap the the scarlet yarn with the hyssop around that stick, and you would sprinkle the leper. It kept the distance between you and that leper who's under judgment. You don't want to get too close, see? So So God says you take this instrument of hyssop and you sprinkle the leper. In Psalm 51, just by the way, David prayed after Bathsheba, his failure with Bathsheba. He said, Oh God, cleanse me with hyssop. You know what he prayed? You know what he means by that? He's taking it out of Leviticus 14. He considers himself exiled, under judgment, a leper, away from worship. And he's praying, God, I'm like a leper. I need you to cleanse me with the blood. Sprinkle me seven times. Now, the cleansing here then with this hyssop instrument, he says, then you include with that two birds. And you put one of these birds, now follow me here, verse 5, the priest will command them to kill one of the birds in an earthen vessel. You got two birds. You take one, And you put it in a jar or a bowl, thus the title of my sermon, A Bird in a Bowl. But you put one of those birds in a bowl that has water in it, a little bit of water at the bottom. And in that bowl, you kill that bird as a sacrifice. And its blood mingles with the water. And then you take the second bird, you dip the second bird into the blood of the first bird, thus connecting them together, and release the second bird into the open field. Do you see that in verse 7? He shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprosy, and he shall pronounce him clean and let the living bird go into the open field. So he has to use two birds in order to show what? The death of Christ, one bird is killed, and his resurrection. The death of Christ, and then he sprinkles, he take the bird who's, who's let go in the open field and puts the blood of the dead bird on it so that they're joined, and then he lets that one go free. This shows that Jesus not only dies for our sins, but ascends into heaven with the power of the blood upon him. Now, the vessel in which the bird is contained is a picture of the body of Jesus because his spirit is confined to the earthen vessel. Now, it's a common theme in the Old and New Testaments to call your body a vessel or a bowl in which your spirit resides. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul said, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 7 talks about the woman in a marriage is the weaker of the two vessels, husband and wife. She's the physical weaker, usually. And so the vessel here is the spirit of Christ within his body. And then the, the, when the death of Christ is depicted, the bird is released from the vessel and flies into the open field, taking with him not the old body that is broken at the cross. And the water in the bottom of that bowl is mingled with that blood, also showing John 19.34... It says that when the soldiers pierced Jesus' side, there came out blood and water. Why would John add that? Because I think he's saying there's the sacrifice for the leper. The blood and the water mingle together. And further, John brings it up again in 1 John 5, 6, when he talks about the testimony of Jesus at the cross, he says, this is he, talking about Christ, who came by water and blood. Not by water only, but water and blood. Referring straight back to Leviticus 14 and the leper's sacrifice of the two birds. He wants, John is saying... Uh, and, And he would hope that people who were listening would understand that Old Testament reference. But he's saying we're lepers, and he who has come has come to cleanse the leper, the corrupt sinner, under judgment, in exile from God and cut off from God's people. Now, one of the things that I noticed here is when the bird was killed, the other bird was released, indicating the joyous exit of Jesus Christ from this life and from his body. When Jesus was in heaven, it was a great laying aside of attributes and glory for him to come and limit himself and confine himself to an earthly vessel of the body. And so in John 17, Jesus prays something like this. Now, Lord, it's time. Father, glorify me with the glory I had before I came. He's ready to go. And he says to his disciples, I'm going to go and be with the Father. And he said, and if you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to be with the Father. He was glad to exit the confines of the mortal body. Let me ask you a question: Is a bird happier in a cage or in an open field? Well, <laughs> uh, I had a—I thought it was a cockatiel, but uh, my wife said it was a hook-beaked canary. <laughs> okay, but we—we we, uh, uh, bought this hooked beaked canary for four hundred dollars. I know and it had a warm house in the winter which I paid for the mortgage every month free food free water protection from predators which we do have a cat and we'd let the bird out we'd make sure the cat didn't come close later on we had to keep the bird away from the cat but we protected it. Jan even brought, bought the bird some toys. I'm like, really? That's unnecessary. <laughs> and the bird was with us long enough that I assumed it had an affection for us. I put it on my shoulder, walk around the house. Jan would put it on her shoulder. She'd walk around the house and do things and forget the bird was on her shoulder and it would poop down the back of her shirt. That's how happy she was and how happy the bird was. At least I thought so. One day I went out in the garage and then I realized I need to get something in the car. The bird was on my shoulder and I walked outside. When I walked outside and that bird saw the sunshine, boom, it's gone. I thought, oh, it's just going to circle around and come right back. No. I never saw that bird again. I couldn't believe that that bird would leave me. (laughs) And I went out there every day for about three days in a row thinking it's going to see me and come back because it's going to get hungry and it's going to be worried and anxious about the weather. No way. Never saw it again. A bird would rather take the dangers and the elements of the outside world than be put in a cage with everything provided. This, this depiction of Jesus as He exit the body was a liberation to Him. That's why He says in John 14, 28, You heard Me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you and if you loved Me, you would rejoice because I'm going to the Father. I am going to be released from the confines of an earthen vessel called this body. So here is my interpretation of Leviticus 14 when you read through this. By the way, let me mention one other thing. It says you're to, in verse 7, you are to uh, sprinkle the leper seven times. Why seven times? See, that is fullness of forgiveness. Totally forgiven. In fact, it is called the creation. God took seven days to make the creation. You're sprinkled seven times, meaning you're a new creation. Once exiled, once a leper, once under judgment, but all that is past. Now you're inside the camp. Now you're a worshipper of God and your past is totally gone before God the Father. Seven times a new creation. What happened what do you have in Genesis chapter 1 previous to that? What's before Genesis 1? We don't know, do we? Because there's nothing before your creation. When you become a Christian, there is nothing that God holds up before you or himself or the angels or men. Nothing that God holds once the blood has been sprinkled on you. That is the power and efficacy of the blood of Jesus Christ in your life. So here is my interpretation of this. We are like the leper. Can you pull Yeah in light of the gospel, in light of the New Testament, we, like the leper, are sinners, corrupt, under judgment, afflicted, and exiled from God. We're outside the camp of God's people, cut off. But Jesus Christ, symbolized by the birds, in His death, the one bird killed in the vessel... And his resurrection, the second bird released in the open field, brings full forgiveness, sprinkled seven times, and thus a new creation. And we will join the risen Christ in his glory. You know what Jesus prayed in John 17, 24? He said, Father, I pray that they will be with me where I am. Sometimes, if, you're, if somebody's a Christian, we pray, God, don't let them die. And They're Christian. You know what Jesus prayed? I pray, Father, that they will be with me where I am. We pray, God, let them stay with me where I am. Jesus prayed, let them come to be with me where I am. Why? Because it's more liberating, exhilarating, and joyous to be a, a bird in the open field than to be a bird in a bowl. Amen. I had a guy this morning in the early service when I was talking about this, he came up afterwards and he said, "You know, uh, after listening to this sermon, I wanted to die." <laughs> I said, "No, that's not the point. It's not death that we're after. It's exit. It's our grand exodus. It's the beautiful by and by. Amen. Sometimes we neglect how wonderful it will be to exit this body with all its earthly limitations, corruption and sinfulness, and be at home in glory with Jesus Christ. So here's three things I want you to see today before you go. One, I want you to see the detailed... Subject in the Old Testament is the gospel. I want you to see the details of it. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians fifteen. He said, "I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, by which also you received and wherein you stand, by which you are saved." First Corinthians fifteen, verse three. I delivered to you first of all that which I received: how Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, what scriptures? Old Testament scriptures, because Paul, they didn't have a New Testament when Paul's writing this. He died for our sins according to the scriptures, and listen to this, and he was buried, and he rose again the third day. Notice, in accordance with the scriptures. Where is that saying? Where does the Old Testament say? He rose the third day. The resurrection is in the Old Testament. And here's one of the references. The two birds. One dies and one's liberated. It was the resurrection of Christ was pictured in the Old Testament just as well as His crucifixion. So the first thing I want you to see is the subject, the detail of the gospel that can be found in the Old Testament. Let me give you this quick verse. Pull up Hebrews 13, 12 and 13. Jesus... Also suffered outside the gate to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore let us go to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. Jesus, where was Jesus crucified? Inside Jerusalem? No. They took him outside the city, outside the gate, outside the camp and put him to death. And you know what that indicates? We, when he died for us, he died as a leper. Because that's who I am. Judged, exiled, outside the camp. Jesus went out there and instead of me, he took my judgment as the leper would have been judged. He took my corruption and the affliction that went with it while I was now free to go back inside and worship God. So Hebrews 13, verse 12 and 13, he suffered outside the gate and he was released and buried and resurrected outside the gate. So see the subject of the Old Testament is the gospel of the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. Second thing I want you to see today, I want you to see the fullness of your forgiveness. No matter the, the the most exiled was the leper, but he sprinkled seven times. No matter what the sin, how many times committed, how long in duration, the blood cleanses you and restores you. Some of you ask God for forgiveness. Hey, don't stay outside the camp. Come on in. Amen. Come and worship, come and fellowship, come and let us love you. We need you and you need us. The the third thing I want to say, leave with you today, is the freedom and joy of heaven for Christ and for his people. The open field is better than the bird in the bowl. No matter how good life is, it is still confining and limiting compared to the open field of the resurrection. Look at verse 7 again. You'll sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leper's disease. See full forgiveness. Then he shall pronounce him clean and let the living bird go into the open field. Let him go. Let him go. Take off the chains of this life Here's an amazing verse of Scripture. It's difficult to grasp, but if you can get a hold of what I'm saying this morning, is it better to be a bird in the bowl or a bird in the field? But listen to what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 7.1. He said, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death is better than than the day of one's birth the day of death is better than the day of one's birth see for the world and the unbeliever the worst thing that can happen is you die for the Christian the future is always better and the day of your death is better is the bird better off in the bowl or better off in the field so when you have a birthday, what you should have is a death day. <laughs> Somebody dies, if a Christian dies, you get a bunch of people together, y'all bring presents and share and celebrate and have coffee and Kool-Aid and <laughs> Okay, skip the Kool-Aid. But the cake and celebrate, man. Sing the hallelujah chorus. The day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. And who said that? Some homeless guy? No, this is Solomon, the wealthiest man in the Old Testament. He had more wine, more women, more education, more position, more power, more territory than any king in Israel ever had. And he said, you know what? I'd rather be dead than alive. (laughs) No, I I'm not saying dead, exited, released, let go. The bird is free to fly. One of the things they asked John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, he said, "What?" He said, "What is the key to the growth of the Methodist Church?" He said, "We die well. People look at us. They watch us on the deathbed." And they think, man, I envy that. Dan Wertzen wrote a song, Finally Home. You've probably heard this. Just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven. Of touching a hand and finding it God's. Of breathing new air and finding it celestial. Of waking up in glory and finding it home. Ah, that's what I'm talking about. And the bird, the living bird, shall be let go into the open field. That's where it belongs. This is what I was made for. A new life, resurrected life, The future in eternity, not limited by time and this body. That's what God calls us to. If you're not a Christian, I want you to to consider this morning what the blood of Christ can do. And I want you like the leper to say, God, I'm exiled from you and your people. I want to come home. I want to be cleansed. I want to live forever. I want to be an answer to the prayer of Jesus. Jesus that where he is, there will I be also. Amen. If you would like to be baptized, we have some sheets out there on the, on the desk, the welcome desk, and it will give you scriptures on baptism. We're setting up, uh, talking about it, dates. If you have a date you prefer, let me know. Uh, we're planning a wonderful baptismal service uh, here at the Fieldhouse. So let me know when you're ready. And uh, let me know on the way out, and I'll give you one of those sheets. Right now, let's pray together. Holy Father, we praise you with all our heart for a future in Christ, that it just gets better and better. And we thank you for the pictures of it, just little glimpses of the glory that is to come. And we thank you uh, today for the Lord Jesus Christ so detailed and pictured here in his death and in his resurrection. And as lepers, we ask you to cleanse us, heal us, make us yours forever through Jesus Christ.